What is Halloween and the horror movie genre without the occasional reboot or added film to the long-standing franchise? So, let's talk about this year's Hellraiser, which is a reimagining of the actual uh, novel by Clive Barker, the novel called Hellbound Heart. It's a reimagining of that actual story for more modern times. It sort of was sort of looked like a reboot, but it is just meant to be more of along the lines of th this reimagining, as I said. But now this is also the I want to say tenth or eleventh film in this series of films. You got Hellraiser, you got Hellbound, Hellraiser Two. Uh, three Bloodline Inferno. Um, I know 2005 came out with they came out with two Hellraiser films. They came out with one as recently as 2018, and I think one between the 2005 and 2011. So there's something like 10 or 11 films. I have them. I don't remember what all their names are. I think the name for one of them is like Deader, which is hilarious to me. But let's just say like this all derives from the mind of Clive Barker. And for those who don't know who Clive Barker is, Clive Barker is a very big deal in the horror and imaginative community from back in the 70s and the 80s. He is responsible for really great films such as the Hellraiser series. He is also responsible for films such as um, uh, Candyman. He is responsible for films like um i mean I, I don't want to go too obscure because i've watched a lot of clive barker movies so you got lord of illusions you got rawhead rex these are all clive barker movies that people might not know but you know everybody knows hellraiser everybody knows Candyman. um people might know the midnight meat train uh that was uh also a clive barker story i don't know if he was part of that as far as like director or writer or anything but that is based on a story that he wrote um, there's also Nightbreed. Nightbreed's a great one. That's Clive Barker. I think that's a, him writing and directing as well. That's a fantastic movie. I actually don't know if that's based on a book. I think that's actually just his screenplay that he decided to direct and make a movie. That's a fantastic film in and of itself. So, I don't think he's done much as far as directing in many years. I think he's just, like, on the production side of things. So he's, like, he's credited for this film as being one of the producers or the executive producer because, you know, it's Hellraiser. He has to have his name on here somewhere, and he has to have some, create, like, creativity control over the fact that this is a reimagining of one of his stories. And one of his more out-there stories, I would say. I mean, I know I'm talking about the same guy who made Rawhead Rex, which was very much out there, but Hellraiser is definitely an interesting concept. Now, when it comes to this reimagining, it's good, but it's good for it's good for those who are willing to go into it and understand that yes, this is going to be different. Don't go into it expecting everything like what the first one was, because what people don't understand is that the first one. There was no focus on, say, Pinhead, you know, or the main Cenobite, because that's what the focus of these films are. It's about the this um, the box, which when the box is opened, it releases the Cenobites, and the Cenobites are these devilish creatures that are kept within this other realm, which 
the lament, uh, not lament, yeah, the lament box is a pathway to almost, or a key to, and if you solve the puzzle, you open the box, and then they come for you. Now, in the original film, the main focus of the original film was all about this man who, I forget, I forget the guy's name, but it was this man who sought out the box, found it, realized the pleasures that he was opening up, and then once he got sucked in, was like, I don't really want to be here anymore, found a way to sort of escape, but he needed to kind of suck the life force out of other living creatures in order to become a full-fledged human being again. And that's what the focus of the first film is about. And one of the characters in it is his niece, who really tries to kind of stop him because he's, you know, murdering people, and he has, um, uh, the aunt, who is, like, the girlfriend of this guy, so she's not really, like, this isn't really her uncle-uncle, it's, um, just the man her aunt is married to, if I'm remembering correctly, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but it's somewhere along the lines of that, and she's helping him, because she's like, oh, I love you, and I miss you, please come back to me, well, you want me to come back to you, bring me souls, and I'll murder them, and I'll eat them, and then I'll suck their life force, and then I'll be a full-fledged human again, so, as he's killing people, he's regenerating more and more of his body, it starts with kind of just little pieces of tissue, and organs, and then eventually he grows muscle, and more tissue, and he's starting to fill out, and grow more of a face, and then he starts growing the skin back, but all in all, what he's trying to do is he's trying to escape the realm of where the Cenobites live. Now, the Cenobites are like, you know, he escaped, we want him back. It's it's meant to almost be viewed as this giant torture chamber, almost. And that's what the view is when you're watching the first one. And you don't see the Cenobites a lot, and when you do, there's no slow, brooding moments where it's like, oh, are we eventually going to see Pinhead? It's like, no, here's Pinhead, here's Teeth Chatterer, here's the Priest. Like, they're all there, they're all right in front of you, the Cenobites. So, when you look at that, you look at that story, you look at the concept of that story, even if you were to go further down the line of any other concept, they all really relate to the idea of the pleasures that the Hellraiser box opens the the pleasures that the Cenobites offer to the users when they solve the puzzle so now when you look at this reimagining I think it's sort of this condensed version of what all of those stories were kind of trying to tell because it goes through this path of all the different versions of the lament box and it gives them all these different names, which again, I, I, ha I don't recall every single one of these Hellraiser movies. But what I know is that when it gets to like the, the Leviathan shape that the box takes, I know that's part of, I believe, Hellraiser 2 and I think Hell on Earth, either both or one of the, uh, one or the other. But I know it's part of one of those two. Now, the other forms, I don't recall if they are involved in the other films. But maybe this is what they're trying to do. They were trying to condense it into, oh yeah, here are the Cenobites. But what it really is, is there's this other concept where they don't just grant you their pleasures. They also grant you this wish when you're able to solve the puzzle and get to it and get to the Lament Box's final form, so to speak. So what happens is this unfortunate girl, this unfortunate um, woman finds herself in a situation where not only is she an addict, but she has to go rob this tanker, and that's how she discovers the box, 
and then she gets obsessed with the box and she realizes oh yeah the box is killing people and how do i stop it and so it's almost like you don't once it gets started you have to like flow through everything so when when you're following the movie there were certain things that i did appreciate i appreciate the 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 love it showed towards the franchise. Because again, I do think what it was going for was this idea that it's meant to be this condensed version of all these stories. And it's meant to tell more of the same story that they were trying to tell across at least half of these films, all in this one film. And it doesn't feel like it's overly overly populated with too much storyline. It does feel like it flows pretty well and pretty decently for what it's offering. And when you appreciate it from that angle, you also have to understand that there's going to be some things that are just horror movie tropes that you might have to accept, but truthfully, I'm not willing to accept them. I'm not willing to accept the, the notion that the boyfriend was in on it the whole time. I'm not willing to accept that. There there are just so many things that are very common in movies like this that are just typical horror tropes and Hellraiser tropes that I was just like, I, I just, it's poor it's it's poor writing to me and it's it's poor decision making on making these this consistent pattern like be different like allow there to be some sort of difference between what everything else would possibly have done like if you think it's too obvious you should have gone another route and i'm sorry the boyfriend being in on it the whole time and kind of manipulating her to use the box and sacrifice people like it's just it's just too... It's unnecessary. It didn't have to be that way. It could have been this thing where maybe she had to come down to a choice between her and the brother's boyfriend. Maybe. Like, just something better than just the boyfriend's in on it. It just doesn't make... It doesn't make... It doesn't make me appreciate the storytelling of what they were trying to go for when you have that kind of a twist ending. And I know that I've read some of the other reviews about this film about how some people were upset about there being a um a lack of maybe how often you see the cinnabites which you know i can understand but again i'm going back to what we got from the first film and the first film you know pinhead wasn't the draw like yes pinhead became a monumental force in horror film history like he is now a substantial icon that's right up there with Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and Chucky and the Leprechaun and yes Hell Pinhead is right up there for his role in Hellraiser but when the first movie came out in 1987 that wasn't the plan and yes maybe they should have still focused on that a little bit more in this reboot because now it's like you can't ignore the fact that Pinhead isn't this icon that everybody sort of wants to see. But then again, what they did do with Pinhead in the film was something that I appreciated. I appreciated the fact that the second you start to kind of see the Cenobites, they don't sit there and like dwell on them in the shadows. It's just like, like visually and I guess in paying homage to the first film, when you see Cenobites, they're there. You're going to see Cenobites. There is no dramatic pause. There is no dramatic behind the 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 back kind of shadowy silhouette figure type thing. Like, no, you, when you see Cenobites, you're going to get Cenobites. So I appreciate that because sometimes when you're thinking about films like this, I already know what I'm coming in here to expect. So we need to get to the point 
and we need to not dwell on the idea that you're trying to create some sort of tension. Like, there's already tension in the storyline. The tension doesn't have to come from me waiting for what I'm expecting being the Cenobites to show up. Like, I'm expecting them to be there. Give them to me. Like, let's not pause this. Let's not dwell on it. I'm already expecting it, so whenever you decide to pop it up, pop it up and let's move on with it. Like, I like films that get to the point. Now, this does that in some respects, and then it doesn't do that in some respects. But for a reboot and a reimagining, I I appreciate it. You know, I, I really do like what they did with it, you know, especially when it comes to the fact that Hellraiser at this point in time is just really all over the place, you know? The only thing you could say that the Hellraiser series really gave us was Pinhead, and, you know, thankfully we have Doug Bradley to also thank for that. You know, it's not just Clive Barker's imagination, it's also Doug Bradley being the person who's been representing Pinhead, and he's represented Pinhead and being the lead um, Cenobite, the leader of the Cenobites, for the first, like, seven or eight films? Something like that? I think he's up there as being one of the... One of the five actors to portray the same character in a horror film. Six or seven times in a row. Because I think it's him. It's Robert England as um, Freddy Krueger. It's Warwick Davis as the Leprechaun. So it's those three. I think the guy who plays Chucky is also up there. And um, Tobin Bell, who uh, plays Jigsaw. I think it's those five. I think it's Robert England, uh, Warwick Davis, Tobin Bell, the guy who plays Chucky. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And Doug Bradley. Those are the five actors who have played the same character in horror films more than six times. So we do have Doug Bradley to appreciate for that because I've seen him at conventions. You know, he is definitely getting on in age. And I do believe that up to the 2005 films those were his last ones he gave us all you know the first seven or eight films to really establish who pinhead is as a character now i know there was a lot of heat that whoever played the pinhead after him he was getting a lot of heat as well and i know that the actress who's playing pinhead now is getting a lot of heat but i would say this version of the film is probably in my opinion, at least a lot better than maybe whatever they came out with in 2018 and then 2015, whatever those two films were. I know I know for a fact there was a 2018 one, and there's definitely one that was between the two from 2005 and the one from 2018. I want to say it was 2011 or 2012, something like that. Um, because I know that there's, there's a big difference between continuing the story as one character and then reimagining the story as a different one. I also have a soft spot when it comes to just there being given another chance for these characters to be imagined by other actors. I'm probably one of the few people that praise, um, what's this actor's name? The one who played Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot from 2010. He was also in The Watchmen. He's got a funny name. Jackie something. Jackie Jackie Hurley or Jackie, Jackie Haley or something. He, to me, played that role very well. And that's my opinion. I loved him as Freddy Krueger for that film, for the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. If they wanted to continue with it, I would have appreciated that to see how far he could take it. And I'm also going to say the same thing about the actress who's playing Hellraiser now. 
I would love to see where they take this character and if they decide to use the same actress or decide to make um, more uh, films leading after this to follow the same story or if this was only going to be a one-off. If it's only going to be a one-off, then it doesn't deserve as much hate as it's been getting. If this really was just a one-off film that they just wanted to do a retelling of the original story by Clive Barker, people need to give it a rest because it's worth it if it's a one-off. If they're trying to do more and add more to the franchise following this story, then it has to do better. You know, I mean, as a one-off, it's good. As a beginner, maybe not, but maybe a sequel will help it a little bit. I mean, truthfully, I did appreciate what it offered. I appreciated what it brought to the table. I thought it had its good points. I thought it had its downfalls. But all in all, I'm also a huge Clive Barker fan. So it's really hard for me to hate anything that is really done by him. And I know this isn't 100% written by him, but we're talking about him still having his hand in the pot. And if he didn't have his hand in the pot and he had nothing to do with this film, we'd have another scenario. However, he does still have... I don't want to say a lot of creative control, but he has some sort of creative control, being that he's helping produce films like this. So he's still there, and he's still going to be a presence probably for this franchise until, you know, unfortunately he decides to retire. And as long as he's still doing it, I'm on board. I'm on board. I, I love anything that comes out of the imagination of Clive Barker. And this, you know... Like I said, if, if you want to compare it to anything after, say, Hellraiser, Hellbound, you know, the third one, um, oh no, the second one, or even Hell on Earth, the third one, like anything after the first four or five, like you're talking about we're going downhill now. I think there's one where they go in space. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the 90s where they put all of the, <laughs> the characters in space. We're talking about films like that. So for what it's worth, this film is worth it, and it's done well that I do appreciate it. 